Ladies and gentlemen, the following podcast scheduled for one fall with a 60 minute time limit is yet another episode of the one fall show. My name is Chuck Bean, your host. And as we uh, sit here recording, we are just a couple hours away from NXT's in your house. So uh, we're going to talk about that as well as all the other goings on in the worlds of pro wrestling. I am joined on the uh, on the rules side of things by Erica Bennis. Erica, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Chuck. Uh, it is lovely as always to be here and talk wrestling with y'all. Yep, and you are here to uh, make sure that there are no shenanigans, at least on my side as well as uh, our panelists' side when it comes to this. Yes, a zero shenanigans policy has been put in place. So, uh, yeah, you're all on notice. All right. Well, we've got our three panelists who will be answering questions today about the week in wrestling, starting with Mr. Shawnee Constant. Hey, everybody. How you doing, sir? I'm doing all right. It's good to hear from you. It's good to uh, sit down and do another One Fall show. I've been uh, I've been enjoying this. I've been having some fun. I'm I'm starting to feel like I'm getting my groove. Excellent. Excellent. I wish I could say the same. The only thing different uh, between me and the Shockmaster is that one victory I achieved uh, in my first appearance, but I have fallen off the stage every week since then, and I'm not happy about it. We're going to have to get you a uh, bejazzled uh, Stormtrooper helmet. Please don't. (laughs) We're also joined by everyone's favorite heel, Mr. Nate Bender. Excuse me, the three-time uh, one fall show champion. I will have, you know, show me the proper respect when you introduce me. I'm sorry. Let me try that again. The three, fu- three time one fall the show. Only champion. three time. <laughs> what did Nathan. I, what did I just say about a zero shenanigans policy? Stop it, Nate. I, I am just pointing out the truth. It's fallen apart already, Erica, but that's okay because the shenanigans are really part of the fun of this show. And uh, our third panelist, Mr. Justin Valentine. Uh, Justin, you won last week, did you not? That is correct. Plenty of groove coming my way, and I will continue that on today. All right. Well, that means that uh, you will be the first in line for questions this week. As a refresher or for somebody who's just tuning in for their first One Fall show, each round will consist of three questions. We've got a round about the Wednesday night shows, AEW and uh NXT. We've got a round about Raw and SmackDown, and then we've got a round about everything else that's going on in the world of professional wrestling. The questions are worth one point, two points, and three points respectively, and correct answers will net player full points. However, if you don't know an answer, an entertaining incorrect answer could net the player a point based on mine and Erica's decision. Uh, Each player has a five count to answer a question, and the winner of the previous week gets to start. So Justin, where would you like to start this week? I know Nate's going to give me a lot of hate, but I'm going to throw the uh, smack raw category to kick things off. Oh, shocker. (laughs) All right. Let's start with a bit of a softball here. What championship changed hands on SmackDown this week? That would be the women's tag team titles. You got it. The uh, women's tag team titles changing from Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross to uh, Bailey and Sasha Banks. I don't know about you guys, but I feel like especially on SmackDown, the women's division has been killing it the last couple of weeks. Both the matches with Sonya Deville and Lacey Evans, I've absolutely adored. And uh, we're going to see some really cool women's wrestling tonight with Io Shirai, Rhea Ripley, and Charlotte. 
What do you guys think about the women's division right now in both uh, the WWE and AEW? I think uh, you hit it on the head with SmackDown. They're killing it with the women's division right now. I think the title change for Sasha and Bayley for the tag titles, it makes sense because of something we talked about before. We're struggling to see women's tag teams you know, continue on. So WWE needs a little bit of time to put those together. So why not put these titles within the Sasha Bailey storyline that we know is just going to blow up in everyone's faces at some point this summer. So I love it. Yeah. I'm with Justin on this one. I actually think that this is, this is, this just added a really interesting dynamic now to what is going to be the, the Bailey Sasha feud. And if now they have to, you know they're bound to to work together, having to work together and feuding at the same time. That's always a fun storyline and something that they haven't done before. So yeah, I'm I'm excited to to see that. I am going to be curious who ends up taking the SmackDown Women's Championship off of Bailey because I don't know. Outside of Alexa Bliss, I'm really not sure who would be your upper tier talent on SmackDown right now. That's interesting. Yeah, I think that uh, Sasha, we know, can get over. She's done it before. And Bailey has gotten over with a, a small portion of the crowd. But now we're getting to see her really sort of pile on with the ego and the uh, the sort of heel attitude. I think that works really well. And I also, going to the other match you spoke of, Lacey Evans is looking like a professional wrestler. And um that's not to slight her, but she is someone who came sort of out of nowhere. She didn't start, to my knowledge, in the indie world. She's sort of a homegrown WWE talent. I, like a lot of other people, have usually a little bit harder time accepting somebody who I haven't seen in the uh, the bingo halls, as it were. But she's looking really good. And this this sort of brawler versus smaller, more technical opponent i think is a really good program and we're seeing excellent work out of both of them there's a lot to be excited for last week i really enjoyed lacey evans and sonia deville this week i remember watching it going where has this sonia deville been all this time she was too busy trying to get her hair up and square up uh gimmick over which was horrible and this is way better she's she's a great brawler She's got that MMA background. You know, when she hits, she looks like she's laying it in. Uh, you know, I, I think that she's definitely going to move up the card from this program for sure. I think by summer 2021, she's going to have a title run. It may take until summer 2021, but I think she's on her way there. I mean, I definitely think she's looking way better than Mandy Rose is out of the uh, the the blow up of Fire and Desire. So I think Sonya's, yeah, definitely got a good run in her. All right, let's move on to the second question. Rob Gronkowski finally dropping the 24-7 title this week on Monday Night Raw. Who won the title off him, and where did it happen? God. So stupid. Uh, this would be our truth won the title. Where it happened, it was outside of his house. I think it was in his, like, his backyard. Yeah. Yes, that is that is correct. So two points for Justin getting this one. So Rob Gronkowski has officially left the WWE. Do you think that uh, WWE is going to be a little more cautious in signing non-wrestling talent after this, or are they going to continue to seek out more uh, non-wrestling names? They need to be more cautious when it comes to this. I knew this was a bad idea from the beginning, not because of the fact that I already don't like Gronkowski, and I think he's overrated as he is, but because of the fact, and we've talked about this as well, they have so much talent. You know, you watch NXT, and it's 
sometimes a more exciting show than Raw and SmackDown put together. Their pay-per-views are more exciting than the WWE pay-per-views. Why are we not building those guys and girls to come up and put together a, a quality storyline in WWE. I don't understand bringing in non-wrestling uh, celebrities, athletes, whatever UFC, even UFC guys, you know, are hit or miss when they come over. Stop doing it. Just stop doing it. Yeah, they've had a really bad track record between uh, the couple of UFC guys that washed out just after the Saudi event. Um, now you've got this. I mean, it really does seem like, you know, some of their business prospects that they, you know, tried to make crossovers really didn't didn't end up moving the needle at all. Again, it's the WWE Vince McMahon trying to serve too many masters. You bring in these folks who essentially are there to give you a quick adrenaline boost in terms of the popularity of the thing. But outsiders more than anybody else need to learn the business and they don't have the time to do it. We saw it with Ronda Rousey when she left. There was a worse taste in our mouth as wrestling fans than day one when she had that incredible debut. And if Gronkowski wasn't going to be a long term program deal, then I don't know why he was there because he's not that interesting to me. I don't think anyone was really excited about it. And I still think WWE is grateful that his debut was in front of an empty stadium because I'm still convinced he would have been booed out of the building. For sure would have been booed out of the building. That would have been absolutely fascinating. Uh, them bringing in a name that we're all supposed to be really excited about and then just getting the Roman Reigns treatment. Well, and especially as a, an, um, a presenter, you know, someone who that you, you're going to see several times throughout the show. Yeah. Uh, watching the crowd turn against him repeatedly. And you know that Vince would have continued to push it regardless because that's how he rolls. Uh, it would have been ugly. But uh, yeah, I think that this was probably an amicable split. It's probably best for everybody involved. And uh, well, enjoy the NFL, sir. <laughs> right, right. All right, Justin, here's your uh, opportunity to uh, sweep the category. Uh, the Viking Raiders and the Street Profits, two legitimately great tag teams, have been competing in various non-wrestling events over the past couple of weeks. This week, what did we get to see them compete in? Uh, that would be bowling. That's correct. So three points for you, Justin. The WWE's been dealing with non-wrestling pre-filmed segments pretty much during the whole pandemic. Would you like to see this continue outside of it once they start touring and having live shows again. I know personally I've seen some really good stuff, but then, you know, there's been some stuff that's been really kind of silly too. I've been entertained with everything, but I'm going to say no because of the fact that because the reason why this is so entertaining is they don't have a live audience to worry about. So they, they can put more effort into this behind the scenes edited, uh, you know, pieces that they've put together because they're only trying to serve the at-home audience. Once the live audience comes into play, it's going to be weird to try to serve both, and they're just just keep it in the ring or backstage segments, go back to the way it was. Yeah, I have not been a fan of these segments. Uh, the, the one that I thought was most egregious was the axe-throwing segment. It's all been pretty stupid. I, I'm watching, you know, I'm tuning in to watch a wrestling show. I'm not tuning in to watch two tag teams shoot hoops. Uh, the whole thing has gotten ridiculous, and I'd rather them sort it out in the ring. As with so many things, they didn't really give us any explanation as to why this is happening, and for me, the bits then all fall flat. Uh, I think that in ring, these are two teams that have a lot to go uh, going for them, a lot to show, 
And it's kind of disappointing that they're stuck in this weird sort of, uh, we're going to give you training on the job in terms of being uh, silly and charismatic. Uh, we already know that uh, the uh, street profits are capable of that and w- why you're, it, it, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. And uh, hope, you know, I think they'll put on a great match at the end of all this, but has it really felt like it's built towards a great match uh, for me? Not in the least. It makes you wonder if somebody is injured because typically when they keep somebody out of the ring doing, you know, extracurricular stuff, it's because somebody can't perform in ring. Oh, and uh, one of the guys from the Street Profits took that horrible back bump where nobody caught him. So that, you know what? I never even, I I did not think of that. Although although I think he's wrestled since then because it wasn't at the Raw before WrestleMania and they were at WrestleMania, I think. I might be wrong on that. No, that sounds right. But, you know, you can still wrestle hurt. I, I I don't know. I'm I'm just throwing it out there as a possibility. I'm ready. I think this will be a great match though in the ring. I think the only reason it's it's worked for me because the Street Profits are so damn entertaining that it they've made it work for me. I'm okay with it because it's them. Anyone else doing stuff like this, I would hate it. All right, Erica. Let's uh let's see what the points are after one round. Though I'm pretty sure I already know. Yeah, it's uh, kind of obvious. Out the gate, Justin with six points. Currently, Nate and Shawnee are tied with zero. However, we do have uh, Wednesday Night War and Around the Ring coming up next. And um, let's just put it this way. Justin, good for you for sweeping that category, buddy. Because, I <laughs> look, I know Wednesday nights aren't your thing. It's okay. It's okay. You'd be surprised, guys. I've been keeping up. <gasps> good for you. I'm proud. Hooray. All right, well, we'll throw it to uh, the guy who almost made it as a four-time champion last week, Mr. Nate Bender. Nate, would you like to go around the ring, or would you like to talk about the Wednesday Night War? Let's go for the Wednesday Night War. All right. Uh, This week on NXT, the big main event was the finals of the Cruiserweight Championship. Who ended up with that title? Uh, That would be, uh, oh, God, El Hio de Fantasmo. Is that his name? That sounds about right, Erica. Are we going to take that? Yeah, that's acceptable. Okay, cool. Yeah. Going over Drake Maverick, by the way. Yeah, I've got El Hio del Fantasma here on my uh, on my card. Close uh, enough. Despite, despite losing to Fantasma, Drake Maverick ended up with a NXT contract at the end of that, considering he was one of the wrestlers that was originally released in April. What do you guys think about this development? I know that uh, the former Cruiserweight champion was not a fan on Twitter. Yeah, it was a nice little feel good moment, I think, for the end of that, because, you know, like his his job was gone and it it seemed like he created a moment enough and he did do that. Like, I don't think it was necessarily the program that they ran on NXT. It was the promo that he caught on Facebook or Instagram before that, like the day of that, uh, the Black Wednesday that that got him over. So I think he earned that. I think he deserved that. In terms of Leo Rush, though, because I, I saw him running his mouth on Twitter that, oh, this just is a slap in the face to everyone who did get released that day. I think that that's sour grapes on Leo's part. And he his arguments vacillate wildly depending on what you're talking about. So I, I don't know that I would take Leo's stance on that. Yeah, I was a fan of Leo when he was in WWE, and he's made a lot of enemies since then. 
I love this storyline. We talked about wrestling is at its best when they blur the lines of fiction and real life, when they use a real life situation in the storyline. That's what they did here. And I thought it worked great. Yeah, I agree. He absolutely deserves to, uh, to get that contract. It's very weird to see quotes from triple H during an interview where he's like, Hey, we had this program all planned out. And, uh, well, then the firings came and that was horrible. Like, well, let's not pretend that you weren't part of that. I mean, he may have been, uh, there may have been an end around him and he had no idea that it was going to transpire, but uh, it's just weird to hear somebody from corporate saying, oh, well, it's a, it's a darn shame. This thing that I had a hand in happened, but at least here's a silver lining. Like <laughs> you've orchestrated uh, very weird, but I, I agree with Nate uh, on Leo rush. You know, he, he's an incredibly talented guy and, uh, the vacillating arguments really speak to me uh, as a person with mental health issues, as somebody who's really has a hard time keeping his focus. And uh, it's a bummer because he's so damn talented. So yeah. talented. Yeah. Um, I'd like to, before we move on, one, I'd love to know when exactly they decided to keep Drake Maverick, you know, after his his whole video went viral. And I'm going to award an additional point to Nate for using the word vacillate. <laughs> Look at you, word a day calendar. So, uh, and I, I'm sorry, spoiler alert, I like vocabulary words. So study up on those, boys. Where are we getting these stray points from, damn it? Ooh. Now you know, now you know how to butter up the referee. <laughs> yeah, I'll I'll definitely I'm gonna I'm gonna get my lexicon out and get familiar with a thesaurus. Yeah, that's right. All right, Nate. Question two on AEW Dynamite, Chris Jericho called out the baddest man on the planet following his match with Colt Cabana, but instead of Mike Tyson, who showed up? Oh, God, who did show up? I must not have been paying that close attention to Dynamite this week, which, by the way, it was one of the lowest-rated Dynamites, uh, so uh, that's why it, it wasn't very good. All right, we'll move this question over to Shawnee, your opportunity to get on the board. Who showed up when Chris Jericho called out the baddest man on the planet on AEW Dynamite this week? Well, the baddest man on the planet did Orange Cassidy. That is correct. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I don't know if we talked about this whole Chris Jericho, Mike Tyson thing, but him and Cole Cabana had a great match on AEW uh, Dynamite this week. Do we think this is headed towards a Mike Tyson wrestling match? God, I hope not. I have to believe so. I mean, they continued to pump that notion. Uh, frankly, I'm much more excited to see Chris Jericho versus Colt Cabana. Uh, I thought that was an excellent match. And more so, I'm excited to see Chris Jericho versus Orange Cassidy. Uh, I liked the Mike Tyson appearance much more than everybody else on the show. Um, I don't know that it can lead to a good match. Uh, I think the fact that he brought a bunch of uh, MMA shoot fighters with him was very interesting, but they didn't give us any indication of where that might be going. Give me Jericho and Orange Cassidy and give me more Colt Cabana. Yeah, this would be a horrible idea if AEW goes through with a match. In appearance, okay, but they're copying what WWE did way back in 98, and it worked better for them because Tyson A was younger and B was just more popular then and more of a relevant name at the time. This wouldn't be a good idea with them in battle with WWE, this is bound to be a bust if they try to put him in the ring with Chris Jericho, who also isn't young either, not you know, not trying to discredit his work in the ring, but at the same time, I just don't see this match being entertaining at all. 
I can't name anyone who wants to see this match. Uh, Justin nailed it. Like this is this is WWE ten years ago, not even twenty years ago, right? Like this is. It's really kind of embarrassing that it seems like AEW is trying to pursue this. And I mean, I understand we're still dealing with the coronavirus and, you know, there's there's some limited things that you can do. But I, I just don't think I don't think Tyson is the answer. He's too old. And the match that he had in what 98 was not that great. Why, why retread that territory? Well, even WWE was smart back then because they didn't put him in a match. He was just the enforcer. Yeah. Yeah. And he, all he had to do was come in and knock out HBK and count one, two, three for Austin. That's the way to do it. And that might be what AEW is doing here, but I think Tyson's even too old to make that work. Yeah. We're, we're not even talking about like uh, just retired Tyson. We're talking post hangover movies tyson and you know like i just i don't think that that has the same draw yeah does this feel like a a way to get the judas effect over to anybody else you know uh jericho's finisher being a knockout punch and you bring in the greatest knockout artist of all time does that uh, do anything for anybody i would assume at this point in jericho's career that's sort of irrelevant but i also can't help but think about it how much do you have to pay Tyson to take that though and to sell it? Do they have that much money? And and if that's what they're wasting their money on, should they consider maybe beefing up their talent roster considering that TNT has is waiting for another show from AEW? That's an interesting point, Shawnee. I hadn't thought of that at all. I think their greatest sin in this whole thing is using a reference to an episode of Monday Night Raw from 10 years ago that Almost nobody remembers the fact that Tyson showed up on Raw and punched out Chris Jericho, you know, in 2010. And all of us are like, we just remember when Mike Tyson was at WrestleMania. I totally forgot all about that. But uh, to go back to Shawnee's point real quick, uh, one very incredibly clever uh, thought. You know, I'm giving you an extra point for that because I didn't even put those two together. Oh, yeah, just because just because I swept the first round doesn't mean we're just making up points as the game goes on, guys. <laughs> no, no, no. Trust me. Like the it kind of blew my mind in bringing in Tyson to put over the Judas effect. But to me, I feel like the Judas effect is already over. Like no one has kicked out of that. Um, it seems very protected. And I, I think it's it, it's just a you know we're all trying to think of like why is he here? And the only other thing that I can possibly think of, um, obviously TNT is under the uh, Warner Media umbrella. Uh, Warner Media so uh, you know just launched the HBO Max thing, and I know Tyson is looking to get involved in another match. I don't know if somehow his match will have ties to Warner Media and they're using it as some sort of cross promotional thing. I it's literally the only thing that I can think of because as everyone has echoed, no one really wants to see Mike Tyson in in a ring against Chris Jericho. All due respect to Chris Jericho and I mean, look, Mike has put in a lot of work and has cut weight immensely and good for him on that because that's just hard ass work, but like I'm sorry, I do, get out. I don't want you here. Get out of my wrestling ring. Bring back Orange Cassidy. Thank you. Orange <laughs> Cassidy and Chris Jericho. It could be 
really brilliant because you know when's the last time Chris Jericho has worked like a a comedy act, and then once Orange Cassidy gets going, he is athletic as hell. It's you know he he's amazing. So you know it's another one of those wait and see, but hopefully they they just maybe let this one kind of die out. Well, I think we've proved uh, this week that every time Sammy Guevara comes out to sing Judas. Chris Jericho is working a comedy act and trying his hardest not to double over in laughter. Ha, fair, fair. You know, let me just say real quick, the rumored match uh, between Holyfield and Tyson that uh, I've heard is going to be taking place in Saudi, uh, the actual boxing match, is a terrible, terrible idea. Sports science has allowed it so that uh, men of a certain age are able to maintain the strength and vigor of younger men but uh, has not figured out how to protect the old brain pan. Uh, the idea of those two guys getting in there and actually slugging each other in their 50s is a recipe for absolute disaster and potential tragedy. I hate it. And why? Nobody can answer that. I mean, for money, obviously, but like, d- doesn't everyone involved have enough money? You sold out the 80s. Come on. See, look at that. You came for a wrestling podcast and you got actual sports talk radio. Who'd have thought? All right. We've got our third question here. And Shawnee, after uh, getting that particular one right, you get to uh, answer this one. We found out this week through tweets that a uh, particular wrestling legend has been banned from AEW shows. Who am I talking about? (laughs) That would be uh, the Hulkster, Hulk Hogan. And we found that out when his uh, wife was also banned. That's right. The wrong side of uh, of AEW's politics. Yeah, Tony Khan has uh, said in an interview before that uh, what Hogan said on his sex tape is something that uh, he's has decided he can't work with Hulk Hogan and he can't look his uh, friends, football players, and employees in the face and uh, or look at himself in the mirror and uh, think that uh, his, his apology was adequate. AEW has been real good about the way they manage their legend superstars going, you know, most obviously to Jake Roberts or even Taz. Is there a legend you can think of that they haven't grabbed yet that you would absolutely love to see there? This week was uh, was an interesting week on uh, Jim Cornette's podcast because he obviously had FTR as the guests. And I think at the end of it, there w- there is a door that is open, a possibility that is open that could see Jim Cornette with FTR in AEW. And I think that would be really cool to see. It would be shocking. It would be absolutely shocking, but I think that would be uh, a really cool thing. I think it would be cool too, because Cornette has been very outspoken with certain things in WWE, uh, more specifically with the Becky Lynch thing and the Seth Rollins rivalry. So to have him show up in AEW would be a slap in the face to WWE, especially with former WWE superstars. Jim Cornette is incredible in wrestling shows. Unfortunately, he just can't get out of the way of being the uh, despicable old man who just refuses to even try to not hurt people's feelings. So uh, there's a piece of me that hates uh, to see Jim Cornette out of NWA, for example, where I thought he was doing great work behind the announcer's desk. But uh, there's another piece of me that thinks that amplifying his uh, signal at all is, is asking for trouble. But they are a great mix, you know, potentially in terms of just straight up kayfabe wrestling show. It makes all the sense in the world. And it seems like it would be an absolute blast. But can he contain himself? 
Yeah, I think that's what it comes down to, especially after uh, what happened with him in the NWA, is that when you get Jim Cornette, you got to understand that you got Jim Cornette. Yeah. You get Jim Cornette. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Erica, give me a counting of the points as we move into round three. All right. Going into round three, we are tied at first between Justin and Shawnee with six points and Nate still plenty of time to catch up with two points. That's right. So, Nate, you'll get the first crack at this final round of news and notes from around the ring. Are you ready? Yes, I am ready. Okay. Hopefully I don't stump you on the very first question because then I'm going to feel bad. (laughs) Uh, Which New Japan Pro Wrestling champion said in a recent interview that he's ready to defend his titles in another promotion if New Japan doesn't return soon? Man, I did not see this at all. So you said he's a current New Japan champion? He is. Oh, God. Uh, I don't even know who's a current champion. I don't think it's Will Ospreay because I think he's he. I, I know he has a belt, but it's not a New Japan belt. Uh, I am going to guess Jay White. That's not what I have here, but uh, we will move on to. Uh, is is Erica? Remind me, is Shawnee the uh, next in line? Um, I believe actually Justin is the next in line since he kicked things off. Okay, Justin. Uh... You're, you're going to floor me if you get this one. Hey, you leave me alone, damn it. Uh, Justin, <laughs> Justin has absolutely no idea, so he's going to throw out Bobo Brazil. Bobo Brazil. Uh, no, definitely not. <laughs> definitely not. Shawnee, here's your opportunity to uh, take this round. Which New mm. Japan champion uh, said he'd be willing to defend his titles in another promotion if New Japan doesn't return soon? Uh, I do not know the answer, though. I am going to guess Will Ospreay, just hoping that I get to throw pie in Nate's face with it. (laughs) No, unfortunately, uh, the answer is Tetsuya Naito. And by the way, gentlemen, there was a clue in the question. He he mentioned titles. He was going to defend titles. There has only been one uh, multi-title holder in New Japan history, and that is Tetsuya Naito, who has control of the IWGP Heavyweight Championship and the IWGP Intercontinental Championship. So, shame on you. I put a clue in there. Damn it. Erica, just just, just calm down. I had Tranquilo. to accept... Tranquilo. Right, Tranquilo. I had to accept long ago that I'm the only person on the show that gives a fuck about Impact Wrestling. <laughs> and, and I think maybe you, you, you just got to accept that you are the New Japan Pro Wrestling fan on this show. And the rest of us don't pay as much attention. I haven't even thought about New Japan in three months. Yeah, well, she just she just yelled at us. I don't know if you want to poke that right now, Nate. No, and the reason is, is there has been no New Japan to think about. Like when it comes back, I will keep up on it. But like. Yeah, uh, I haven't even thought about it in three months. Well, I've gotten my notes here. The New Japan actually requires its champions to defend their titles at least once every six months. Do you guys think they're going to uh, forego that policy in light of the coronavirus uh, and make an exception? Or do you think they're going to stick to it? If they can make it within six months, they will, I think. But if like, you know, because of health and the you know restrictions, if they can't, I'm sure that they'll forego that. Yeah, it would. The thing about New Japan is that out of every wrestling company, I think that they have 
approached the pandemic the most responsibly. So I wouldn't expect them to try to push for matches before it's reasonable to do so. So, you know, I think six months is awfully arbitrary. I don't think they're going to make anyone vacate any titles. Um, so, you know, when wrestling comes back, it'll, it'll be right where it paused. I think the fact that he mentioned it at all is some kind of indicator that we're going to see something in terms of those titles before that six months is over. And, uh, you know, it sounds as though new Japan is working to find some kind of solution to the zero wrestling that they've been having. So we'll see. I'm certainly anxious to see what that is. Before we move forward, uh, Chuck, I would like to correct you. I give a quarter of a fuck about Impact Wrestling. Thank you very much. I I apologize. I was under the impression it was just me on Tuesday nights. Oh, no, 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 no. I I mean, I I browse it, so shame on you. So uh, if you you could in turn give a quarter of a fuck about New Japan, I would be over the moon. All right. All right. I'll, I'll, you know what? I'll put that on my agenda. Where do you even watch Impact on Tuesdays? Isn't it like Access TV or something? It is. is it? It's uh, AXS. Ah, yeah. Don't get that channel. Actually, I watch most of my Impact Wrestling on Twitter, but uh, it is on Tuesday nights on AXS. I, I will say I, I browse it more than New Japan's. So. Well, apparently you need to browse some New Japan. All right, Nate. So we'll move on to question two because nobody actually got question one. And uh, Erica got her New Japan question in, so I'm getting my Impact Wrestling question in. Oh, good. They've got a video for their upcoming Slammiversary pay-per-view where they teased a whole bunch of recently released WWE talent appearing. In the end, that clip would go on to confirm who is coming back to the Impact Zone. I I don't know or care. Joker Sting. (laughs) Complete with with the damn bird and everything. Oh, I forgot about that. That was awesome. It was Joker not. Sting. It was definitely not awesome. Ooh, Joker Sting. It was not, unfortunately, Joker Sting. So we'll move on to Justin. Who's coming back to the Impact Zone? I saw this video, but did they confirm? I saw Gallows and Anderson and then Drake. They had a bunch of guys that they shouted out in it, but I didn't see a confirmation. I saw Gallows so and take Anderson. Take a stab Drake at it. I'm going to throw, um, well, now we know that, Gallows and Anderson. All right. Not what I have here, but good guess. Absolutely. Uh, Shawnee, we'll throw it to you. Who's coming back to the impact zone? Uh, Leaping Lanny Poffo with his (laughs) frisbees. Is he going to be the genius or is he coming with the genius? It has to be the genius. Right. Giving us the poetry. Um, Erica actually corrected this for me earlier this morning. It is EC3 who is returning to uh, impact wrestling. My question to you guys, and this isn't for any points, but, you know, I'm interested. Who would have to show up on Impact Wrestling for you guys to tune in? Luthez. <laughs> wow. The reincarnated corpse of Luthez. That's about it. For me, I, I think it would never happen because, sorry, Chuck, but Impact is so low on everyone's wrestling radar. That's I, fine. Gallows and Anderson. I think wherever Gallows and Anderson land, they're going to look to make a big splash. So if they were to land in Impact, I would definitely find myself checking out what they're doing. Yeah, Gallows and Anderson and Rusev. Those are the three that really get my interest. I think they would get me to tune into Twitter to uh, see an Impact match if that happened. (laughs) I'm with you on Rusev as well. I'll add him to my list as well. What about you, Erica? 
You know, I've got to be honest with you. I'm very intrigued to see what EC3 does once he is back in the impact zone, mainly because it seems like he was brought in to the WWE to be shit on. I mean, obviously, he had a he had a good run in NXT when they brought him up to the main roster. He just was killed as like it 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 mean he he never gained any ground anywhere. So I have a funny feeling that we got a very charismatic guy who is pissed off who could be cutting some epic promos in the impact zone in the very near future. These are gonna be some viral gems. I mean, if he goes after the right people. And I have a hunch he will. His run in the WWE really felt like a rib on impact. They didn't change his name at all. And just they just plowed right ahead and buried him. So, yeah, yeah, it might be interesting. And it's one thing to bury someone, but they literally made him the laughing stock of the 24-7 title picture. Like, he never really won it much. I don't know if he ever did because I don't follow the title. But he, I know in those segments, he was the joke that was falling or getting something spilled on or something stupid like that. Well, if he did follow the 24-7 titles uh, history, you would know that uh, our truth is now a 37-time champion. Oh, dear God. Listen, R-Truth is the only reason why I'm okay with this storyline. Once R-Truth is done, they better get rid of that damn title. He is entertaining. I don't care. No, R-Truth is great. I just think that there's a better way to use him than a 24-7 champion. 24-7-7-11, I-95. <laughs> you got it. He's getting it over. All right, we got one more question in this uh, particular category, and no one has gotten either of the other two, so hopefully... We'll uh, we'll move back to something a little more uh, mainstream with this one. While we here at the One Fall Show cannot hinder the gender, what injury did we find out this week is uh, he revealed on Instagram is keeping him off our TVs? Uh, is that a torn pack? It is not a torn no. pack. I'm sorry. Uh, Justin, it, go, it falls to you. What injury did Jinder Mahal reveal on Instagram this week that is keeping him off television? I believe he's having knee surgery. That's correct. A knee injury. Uh, Jinder took the main event back in 2017, but has kind of fallen back into the mid to low card. What do you guys think it would take for us to take him seriously once again? Uh, for him to be a champion in the mid card, and that's about it. Like, I'm sorry that he's hurt. Of course, he would never wish that upon anybody, but I don't think the guy is a main event player. I really don't. Um, whether he's a heel or a babyface, and I heard rumors that they were going to try to push him as a babyface, which I can't really picture that either. But I think his ceiling is like a U.S. or intercontinental champion, which isn't always bad for superstars, sometimes even better, and I think that's where he needs to live. Yeah, I don't I don't think I have an answer for for gender. I've not seen a ton of his matches, so I I don't know what his in-ring work is like, but uh, you know, it I I mean, I hate to say this, but it seems like WWE keeps him around as a token and I'd like to see something a little bit more genuine out of a program that he works than, you know, whatever WWE wants to project in India. Yeah, if the word that they were going to work him towards being a face to go after Drew McIntyre is true, I think that would have been very interesting, and it would have been 
compelling to see him at this point in his career taking on somebody who is carrying that title like a real champion. I was not a Drew McIntyre fan going into this title run that he has started as of uh, WrestleMania this year, but he is excellent. And if the fans were around, I think that there would be a groundswell unlike we've seen in quite some time. And so whether or not Jinder would have been able to get over under those circumstances, the storylines would have been there. The uh, opponent, uh, potentially the chemistry with somebody who he's worked with in the past, all would have been there. And if he had a chance to get himself over, he would have had that opportunity. And, you know, sometimes seeing somebody have an opportunity and finding out where they're able to get with it is as inspiring or exciting of a story as you can get in professional wrestling. I think this knee injury is really disappointing from that angle. All right. Well, that's going to finish up our three rounds of questions. Erica, where do we sit on points before we go into our final round? All right. Going into the final fall, we got Nate with two points, followed by Shawnee with six and Justin with nine. It is still very much anyone's game at this point. That's true, because for our final fall, as we call our last round, we've got a question uh, dealing with NXT TakeOver in your house tonight. And this question is worth 10 points. So this will shoot almost any of you into uh, into a championship for this week. Tonight, NXT's TakeOver in your house is going to see Adam Cole defending the NXT Championship against Velveteen Dream in a backlot brawl match. A lot has been said about Cole's future in the WWE considering uh, it's currently unknown if he's signed a new contract. But what figure backstage said that Adam Cole would be universal champion right now if he was the size of Karrion Cross? Shawnee, Justin, Nate, I invite you to uh, PM me your answer here over Discord, and uh, we will see who gets it. A correct answer will net you 10 points, and uh, anybody, if y'all get the correct answer, y'all get 10 points. In the meantime, Erica, what uh, what match are you looking forward to tonight at In Your House NXT TakeOver? Truth be told, I'm looking forward to the back, back lot brawl, which is somehow a very difficult thing for me to verbalize out loud. Um, the, the phrase, not me liking the actual match. I like the concept. I'm going to be very interested to see the execution of it. And I think we're all kind of curious as to what's going to happen with Adam Cole. Um, you know, his contract, we, we still don't know, uh, publicly what's going on with that. Uh, they could be kind of working the press as to, is he signed? Is he not signed? Blah, 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 blah. I mean, it, it's a great card pretty much top to bottom, but it's, I mean, I, I am very eager to see the results of that, that match, especially with the rumors that Velveteen dream is getting his call up, right? That's going to be very interesting. So the question that I presented to each of you guys for 10 points is uh, tonight at NXT TakeOver, Adam Cole is fighting Velveteen Dream in a backlot brawl. But what backstage figure said that Cole would be universal champion right now if he was carrying Cross's size? Uh, I'll start with Shawnee. Your uh, answer to me was, well, shit, which is (laughs) not correct. But entertaining. I'll give you a point for the entertainment value. That was that was fantastic. Justin, you said that you didn't see this, so you're guessing Paul Heyman. That is also incorrect. I, I, I just thought of the first person I would think would say something like that. However, Nate sent me a PM in all caps saying, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, 
that would be the road dog Jesse James. And he now you is- didn't say that right. It's ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. That would be the road dog Jesse James. There you go. He said it much better than I did, and is the correct answer. Woo! There you go. Nate, congratulations on being four-time. a four-time one fall four-time. show champion. Woo! In honor of the four victories. There's a Ric Flair woo for you. Like you don't Ric Flair woo every time you win. You know what? Shut up, Chuck. (laughs) I didn't ask you. Not even when he wins, like just randomly throughout the episode. So yeah, sometimes, sometimes you can hear him off in the distance. Just wooing. Uh, Nate, we'll give you 60 seconds to either cut a promo on your, uh, your competitors or talk about anything we missed this week. Go ahead. I want to plug the best Twitter account on the planet. That's our Mongo. Yes. Mongo McMichael in all of his botchy glory is, is now forever memorialized in the best or depending on who you ask second best Twitter account next to Rick rude, taking atomic drops. Um, it, it it is one of the best parts of Twitter. Go give a follow to that's our Mongo. <laughs> All right. Uh, Shawnee, go ahead and uh, take 60 seconds to let us know about anything we missed this week. Well, first off, I found it interesting. This little nugget that I learned uh, that leaping Lanny Poffo, in fact, hates Bam Bam Bigelow and uh, pretty much just discards the memory of him. Interesting. You can find an interview on, on YouTube for that, but uh uh, otherwise, you know, I, I, I feel better about this. Uh, I don't feel like I dropped my helmet and fell off the stage. Uh, I'd like to perform better. I know that the people out there are looking for more from me, and uh, I'm looking for more for myself, quite frankly. But this was a building week. I like what I saw. I like what I heard. Uh, in deference to my fellow panelists, excellent job once again. Nate, I congratulate you for being the four-time champion. But I am going to come back next week, and I'm going to come back strong. All right, Justin, you get the last word of last words when it comes to this final fall. 60 seconds on the clock. So a few things. First of all, I want to shout out The Miz and John Morrison because with no crowd and no Roman Reigns, you could tell, especially on SmackDown, they're dragging out some storylines that we probably wouldn't be seeing if the show was going on as normal. And those two are amazingly entertaining, in my opinion, uh, pranking Braun Strowman on SmackDown. They're fun to watch. You know they're going to get smashed at Backlash, but it's still fun. And then two quick hits. Number one, it was Nia Jax's fault against Kyrie Zane. Please do something about her. And number two, please someone tell Conor McGregor a publicity stunt only works when the news is believable. And no, I don't want to see him in WWE. All right, Erica, do you have any uh, last words before we wrap the show up this week? Uh, yeah, I'd like to applaud Nate uh, with his come from behind victory. Not not for the obvious reasons, but I feel like metaphorically, it was the equivalent of hiding underneath the ring and then coming in at the end of the Royal Rumble and dumping the last guy over. Goddamn right. Yeah. I mean, look, a win's a win is a win is a win. So bravo. I think everyone did outstanding this week. And hooray for the creativity, gentlemen. Uh, highly appreciate it. Yeah, I have to say, in a week where Erica declared no shenanigans, uh, the shenanigans were very enjoyable. I would like to see more of them, but uh, you know what? I will defer to my referee. We did have a question this week that uh, we didn't get to about uh, Daniel Bryan was recently on TalkSport, 
and uh, told the host Alex McCarthy that he felt Big E is supremely underutilized. As uh, says he's a huge entertaining guy, and when he's been in the ring with them, he's thought to himself, "How is this guy so good?" I'm sad we didn't get to it this week, but I wanted to put it out there because I'm a huge fan of Big E. He is underutilized for sure. I mean, a lot of people would be surprised because he's in the new day, but I definitely think at some point before he's done, he they need to use him for a solo run. Even if he's still a new day or friends with New Day, you don't need to break him up. Give him a solo run like you did with Kofi. Absolutely. He should uh, have one of the big titles before his career is over, and he should probably have a hell of a run with it. And I don't think he'd break up the New Day. I I like I would like to see the New Day behind him, uh, but without cheating, essentially just rooting him on. I think that's something we haven't seen in quite a long time, and I think it would be something that would be deserved and would be fun for viewers and, and something that Vince should be able to get behind. I mean, this has been a good soldier in his company. Whenever he's on the screen, even if it's just part of a new day talk segment, you're watching him gyrate, you're watching his facial features. He's, he's, he's got everything to be a prime entertainer, put a big belt on him. Nate, where can people find you online? You can find me at Nate Benderama on Twitter. Uh, Justin, how about you? On social media at JV underscore sports underscore talk or at JV sports talk.com. Shawnee constant. Where can people find you online? You can find me on Instagram at Shawnee.constant and you can find me with Mr. Bean doing the talk horror to me, uh, horror movie podcast. Erica. Uh, everyone could find me on Twitter and Instagram at Erica underscore Bannis. And I've been your host, Chuck Bean. You can find me on Twitter at C-H-Z-U-C-K Chizuck Bean. And as Shawnee mentioned, doing the Talk Horror to Me podcast. Additionally, the Nerd Radio podcast, which you can find on WRIF.com. Thank you very much for joining us for another episode of the One Fall Show. Thank you to my panelists and my co-host. And uh, I look forward to coming back next week for more shenanigans. So I, I assume shenanigans will be in the title of this week's I, episode. I, don't, right? I, I couldn't stop saying it. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> just shenanigans. Like nothing. Just shenanigans. Actually, I do enjoy that. Just, just simply put shenanigans. Is anyone else um, d- disappointed and confused about how they're rooting for uh, Velveteen Dream at this point in time. I was a huge mark for Velveteen Dream, but the internet rumors from several weeks back that just seemed to have evaporated, I found to be highly disturbing. And Yeah, uh, and the fact yeah. that there were, there were multiple, it wasn't just like one rumor that could be a lot. There were multiple things about them uh, from the past and recent, and they're still pushing them, you know, against Cole. I'm definitely rooting for Adam Cole, though, tonight. Oh, I'm for sure rooting for Cole, but the company's in a really, really weird spot with Cole not re-signed and Dream possibly getting the call up. So, like, if you're the company, what, like, what the fuck do you do? This is your pay-per-view, and he's got three months left. Well, and the thing is, too, with Dream, if he gets called up, you know he's going to Raw because Matt Riddle just went to SmackDown. Yeah, and you know I'm worried that because he's going to Raw and because of those rumors, he's just going to get buried. The the other call up rumor I've heard is Dominic Dominic Dijakovic uh, getting the call up to Raw, which I actually think is is way better because they're not really doing much with him on NXT, 
and it may give him an opportunity to show that wooden personality that he's developed. Oh yeah, and he's a big guy, so you put him up against Drew McIntyre, and you know, exactly, let Drew run yeah. through him. Well, if anybody likes a big guy, it's Vincent Kennedy McMahon. <laughs> he's made that abundantly clear. So I mean, oh, he'll get he'll get the he'll, ring. He'll yeah, he'll get he'll get a push. You know, it just it'll be interesting to see what he does with it. I agree with Sean though. Like I remember seeing that stuff a couple of weeks ago and then it, it just, it evaporated. Yeah. What happened to all that shit? Where, like, yeah. Where did it go? I mean, I think a lot of it has to do with all the other crazy things and horrible things going on in the world that all anyone's True. talking about is that, you know, and anything else they're just kind of, you know, not letting it go per se, just not talking about it. It's awfully weird that he's getting a push right after that. Do you guys think that uh, Shirai is going to get the call up? Jeez, I don't know. That's the other rumor that I've heard on the women's side is Shirai is going to get the call. I would love for their, her, them to put her with Asuka and Kyrie. That would be an interesting stable. I, th- I think it would be smart. You know, I think, you know, right now we got Asuka going after Nia Jax, who is obviously way bigger. And Kyrie Zane is also small. So, like, why not have three of them? against one Nia Jax plus losing Becky Lynch. I think you need to beef up that women's division a little bit, not with like actual big, but just with the number of women you have on the show. Yeah. Neo Shirai is a hell of a worker. I mean, she is really, really good, especially as a heel. Why not call up Mia Yim? Cause she's been killing yeah. it on NXT. Ah, I love- Oh, dude, she's awesome. And she's got she's been in the business for like 15 fucking years. Yeah, I think honestly, I would take Mia Yim over Io Shirai now that you said that. I love Mia Yim. I would love to see Mia Yim on the on the main roster. I think she would be a huge asset. That's probably the match I'm looking forward to that's like a sleeper match is that six woman tag match that's got her and Shotzi and Tegan Knox in it. They tucked uh Dakota Kai in there too. Yep. Yeah, NXT does such a better job with like storylines that just like make sense. It's it's a smooth transition from one to another. It's to create matches for pay per views way better than what we see at WWE. I I am a big big fan of Dakota Kai. Yeah, me too. That's something Amy's brought up too. Is like Dakota Kai got her heel gimmick over in less time and better than Bailey did. Yeah, for fucking sure. Absolutely. I still don't think Bailey's heel gimmicks over. I can't take her seriously as a heel. She sounds like a little kid trying to be tough when she talks and it's just awkward and doesn't work. Yes, that's a hundred percent. Every time I'm like, you're faking it. The thing is it's, it's, she's awkward on the mic, no matter what though, you know, I feel like they, they turned her heel in the hopes of like, maybe she'd get a little more strength, but like, I'm just not seeing it. No. And, and, and it's a shame but like, it's just, I mean, it's the way I kind of feel about uh, Natty, you know, in the ring, outstanding. But like, as soon as like she starts talking, I just go, oh God, make it stop. <laughs> ba- Bailey's pretty one dimensional in terms of the fact that like, I think that she only works as a sympathetic baby face. Yeah. And, the, and then the, the really shitty thing is, is that she's awesome in the ring. She's a great performer. But then you can only really use her, you know, like a quarter to a half of the year. And then the other half, she's kind of waiting for the next baby face program that opens up. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's just it's it's kind of unfortunate that it that 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 works so well for her 
Like, I'm sure it's very easy for her to do the baby face stuff, but I can, I can tell that she's really struggling with the heel gimmick. I, I think they use her as uh, for her in ring ability and for the kids hug the kids hugs 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 for her character and that's that's the ceiling of her what she's useful for for WWE. I've got bad news for you all. I'm as bad at, at being a heel as Bailey is. Yeah, leave that to Nate. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty <laughs> good at it. They also gave her like a Karen haircut, so I'm like, is she a soccer mom? Or is she supposed to be a rebellious teenager? That's not really clear through this whole gimmick. That's the villain that she needs to be. 